Saludo mi gente. Welcome to Dismantling the Fuckery, the podcast where we deconstruct the illusion and unleash the fabulosity. I'm your host, Gohenna Angelique, your fierce neurodivergent Juyurican poet and an advocate for decolonial liberation. So get ready to dive into the messy, uncomfortable, and transformative work of dismantling the systems of oppression and the limiting beliefs that hold us back. We're here to reclaim our power, embrace our magic, and rise into fabulosity. So grab your cafe, your tea, I don't know, maybe you need a shot, and let's get into some fuckery. Saludo mi gente. So welcome to episode four of Dismantling the Fuckery. What are we dismantling today? Well, let's talk about it. So I was doing some stretching with a foam roller and um, it's a small one and I usually am just like laid out on the floor looking like a pretzel, um, getting this, the foam roller into, you know, edges of my back and, and things like that. And um, every time I would, uh, you know, get ready to, to stretch, um, Often enough, it's like a spontaneous reaction to my own pain. And so I usually bun my hair up so that it doesn't get caught in the roller because I, I also do my upper back by my neck. And um, and so these past couple of nights, I've been kind of just like, you know, rolling myself out. Reminds me of dough. Um, <laughs> and my hair, I, I didn't ponytail it or anything so it's long and it keeps on getting caught in the roller as I'm kind of you know doing my shoulders and my neck and in one of those moments when my hair caught I was just laughing at myself um, because I'm like lady get your fucking ass up and put your hair in a thing so you're not constantly rolling you know because the feeling is that my hair is being pulled very hard um, and, and I'm like, hello. <laughs> and as I was, you know, having this moment where I was laughing, um, about it at myself, actually by myself, um, I realized that there is moments in life, um, where sometimes people are in so much pain, not just physically, but emotional pain. Um, that there may be patterns that show up in, in a way that they're exercising their pain through experiences. And what I mean by this, and I want to be very particular because I think that we have so much messaging around both like trauma, um, regulation of the nervous system, um, and also, uh, manifesting and manifesting your life or your experiences. And often this, uh, dynamic and language that really, it's interesting because it really creates this container of victim blaming. And I, that it still rubs me the wrong way. And the reason why it rubs me the wrong way is that I don't think anyone under the fucking sun. And while it sounds like this doesn't need to be said, it actually does. Because for people who have been in cycles of experiencing abuse or things like that, 
if you are not already in a space of being overly responsible, um, things like that and languaging like that can really send people into a place of not being able to understand the the power dynamics of things. So I want to say it in that way so that as we're moving through, you you understand that I am not saying that we are intentionally causing ourselves pain. Um, I know, again, there's a lot of teachings out there and that's not what I'm subscribing to. I refuse to subscribe to that type of thing. I don't think anybody desires to be abused or to be in abusive relationships or to grow up in abuse, none of those things. So having said that, um, as I was like, you know, thinking deeply about what happens when you're the type of person who does internalize pain, emotional pain, who does take it back on in yourself that the experiences that you're having or the ways others are being a particular way um, causes you rather than because you may not know what to do with it or you may not have had an opportunity to get resourced enough to know how to move that energy out of your body into something else or, you know, like just discharge the energy. Um, you may be trying to find ways to do that. Your body may be trying to find ways to do that. And so to me, there's this part of, and in working with folks that, um, you know, I worked on, uh, worked in a prison project for a while. And one of the hardest things that I think folks struggle to really be with was that their childhood pain. Now, you know, I also, I'm going to say this too, because everything's nuanced, of course. Um, nothing is just semantics, all of the things. I'm just one of those people that find it just really important to talk about those things in the in-between. Because I think that, sure, there are people who are stuck in um, in a pattern in which they don't know how to access their inner strength because it it hasn't that aspect of them has been so crushed that they have not found their way back to a place perhaps back or maybe for the first time in their lives to actually really you know pull from their strength to say i am going to take you know now i'm old enough i'm going to take responsibility to fill in the blank for my life blah 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 right I would often have to do this exercise with folks in the prison. Um, and it, it's useful for anybody. It's not just folks in the prison because not everybody that's in there is in there legitimately, et cetera, right? Like that's just a complex conversation. But most of the people in that I came across have very similar to myself or even worse, traumatic childhoods that are um, dangerous and uh, toxic and right. Like there was no way this person was going to survive that environment intact. And so while we do have people who stay stuck in the experience that in which they were powerless, I'm starting to hate the word victim, um, <laughs> right? Because it's, it's not even the word itself. It's the way people use it to shame the very people who have experienced, um, unjust and and awful experiences and so i just there's so much caution that i have around this yeah there are people who stay stuck in the 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 frame of pity and the frame of um 
powerlessness and everybody deals with their lives in different ways. And so watching, I would, the exercise I would do with folks is to, I would do a line from zero to a hundred, you know, God is willing, we last long in good health until a hundred, um, if we're lucky. And I would, um, mark where I would mark everybody's age in the room on that timeline. And then I would mark everybody's like wherever they remember the, you know, their childhood trauma. So I would generally mark things like below the 18th age. Um, and the reason I would mark it at the 18th, because here in our particular construct, you're a child until you're 18. Um, and so more often than not, people are under their home environment for a long time. Anything that happens underneath that environment, they actually have no power over in terms of being parented, in terms of abuse and things like that. Now, I mark that and then I ask people to look at how old they are. I ask them to look at the line in its entirety, the distance between your childhood and your adult, your perceived adulthood, right? Because we understand now, we have a better understanding anyway, that trauma has an impact, a very physiological impact on the body and the brain's development, right? So we can't ignore that. Um, and simultaneously understanding that the body has this beautiful, miraculous power to heal, um, to heal itself, given the, the resources, given the support necessary. And so as I was, as I go through this exercise, I'm trying to help folks understand how impactful what has happened at the inception of their lives, right? Like the beginning um, has been on them, but also that they are no longer bound to that experience, right? They're no longer bound to that. And the reason why I do that is to bring a consciousness around, now you have a choice. There are resources. It's gonna take a lot of work, right? And you're going to have to take the time to understand what has happened to your body and your mind as a result of that abuse, as a result of those experiences. Because the body energetically is holding so much that never really got discharged, which is why addiction takes place. Addiction creates a numbing, um, a numbing experience so that you don't have to actually deal with the amount of pain your body is in or your mind is in or your spirit is in, right? In addition to the fact that most people that have come from traumatic uh, past, um, most people, their bodies are actually in real pain. You know, we talk about fibromyalgia, we talk about a lot of diseases that are a result of having internalized this pain, having internalized anger, rage, um, all the things, right? And so when I was <laughs> when I was foam rolling my ass, literally and figuratively, um, and my hair kept on getting swept under, you know, literally would jerk my head back, um, like if somebody's pulling my hair and cause pain, <laughs> the fact that I would re, uh, reintroduce myself to that experience over and over seems banana cakes, right? Um, and I think that there are many folks that 
because some of us, for some of us, for some of us, we wanted to grow out of that, you know, um, conquer it, uh, overcome our past in such a way that the body never came into the equation unless you choose fitness as one of your addictions, right? And if you choose fitness as an addiction, well, then you are doing something physical to discharge the energy, which is why in your perception, you're fine right? Because you've worked it, you're working it out of your body. But that's one piece of that's one piece of a bigger puzzle, right? But what happens when you are not aware of how you have created a coping mechanism that actually causes you to continuously engage in things that are um, about creating opportunities for your body to discharge the energy, discharge the nervousness, discharge um, the feelings, right? And you see this when uh, sometimes some folks are much more given to the idea of starting shit with people, right? Or constantly in a fight or constantly in some sort of conflict. Um, generally, you know, in society, we're like, uh, society says these people are just troublemakers. They just like trouble. Uh, yes and no. I really think that when people have not had an opportunity to really discharge the energy stored up in their bodies and the pain stored up in their bodies in much more generative conscious ways, that shit's going to pop out somewhere else. The intensity of that is going to show up somewhere else. And so my question to you, whether you're in the state that you are already, you've been doing your work and working through right your your traumatic past, whatever the case may be, um, uh, are you able to recognize when, uh, especially for folks who came from physically abusive homes? This is really really important because physically abusive homes cultivate um, a nervous system reaction that becomes compulsive after a while. And what I mean by that is like the body is literally like if you came around somebody who has not been able, has not had an opportunity to work through their stuff and you raised your hand or you did some sort of, you know, all of a sudden gesture, you may startle that person. That person's reaction will be much quicker than a speeding bullet, literally. And I mean that in the Superman type of metaphor, not the, the literal. Um right? Like the reaction is like disproportionate, some people think, but that person lived in such an unpredictable, unpredictable, abusive environment that their bodies are still in that environment. So fight, flight, freezing, and fawning can still become part of the identity of this person. We talk about this. We talk about like, you know, do you, uh, is your are your is your trauma coping um turned into your identity right like the coping mechanisms you came up with um and then now you're you're saying this is just who i am when actually it's your response to the traumatic experiences that you had right and so we talk about this but i also think that the reason why i think i'm so mindful around this conversation um, and around any conversations with trauma and healing is because I recognize that you don't get to, like, 
You don't become conscious of shit until you become conscious of it. And if you're the type of person who who works, I, and I'm, this is me, let me speak for myself here. I'm the type of person who has my entire life spent um, my focus on healing, on breaking general generational curses. This is why I'm offering July 31st, um, the workshop, The Warrior at Rest, right? Because I know that for most of my life, if not all of my life, I've been doing the work of healing, doing the work of trying to be better than my past or fill in the blank, right? A lot of that, like, I'm going to do it differently than I experienced. And while that's wonderful, um, support along that way would have been fantastical. Although my life environment, I went from one thing to another, right? But knowing that I would not be able to know until I know. That's why we talk about subconscious and unconscious, because there's some things that you have to wait for it to bubble back up for you to even know that it was there or address it because we often have to suppress so much as people, right? We go through so many experiences that what it leads us to do is that either you're becoming, you know, um, uh, overly responsible, overly accountable, all of the things, because you're thinking that the reason why you're, the people in the past were so complacent was because they weren't being responsible. We still have a lot of that narrative now, and that's where we get victim blaming from, where folks are like, yeah, you, you know, you can decide anytime. All right. First of all, you sound like somebody who doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about, so you should probably be quiet. Secondarily, again, every person deals with it differently. And so back to this idea of like, how do we actually start to work with our bodies, right? How do we start to, to reconnect with our bodies so that the energy that builds up from a past that's really like, you know, an addictive pattern, because it does become addictive. The reason why it becomes addictive is because one, most people are not, if you're growing up in those environments, you're not getting equipped with how to process your feelings. You're not getting equipped with how to deal with the rage or the anger. You're not, there's none of that happening. So people are doing the best that they can in their perception, right? And in this process, what's tending to happen is that they're still enacting, we're still enacting patterns in our lives that are seeking to discharge energy or rewrite the narrative. And this is why I'm down for the self-love. I am so for it here every day, right? The importance of offering yourself compassion and kindness and, and witnessing and all of those things. And we are interdependent in our healing. And I don't give a flying fuck what anybody says about that. Because there is no way to rewrite something that another human to write without another person to support the reorientation of that narrative. And what I mean by that is like, if you had a fucked up relationship with your mom, with your dad, if you had a fucked up relationship with your siblings and all of those things as a child, right? You have all this dysfunction in relationships. The reason why you experience what you experience as a child is because the people themselves did not know how to process their own shit. Did not, did not, were not equipped to do so either, or had uh, fallen into their own coping mechanisms that led to fill in the blank. And so in this part here, your healing is absolutely connected to other humans because it is the kindness, the gentleness that someone else shows you that becomes a healing vehicle. 
for you to know, oh, this is why we say, um, and we talk about this, you know, for like, uh, people who are single or whatever that were like, oh, how did, how did your parents treat you or how did the people you've been dating treat you? Because that sets a standard, a precedent for how you're engaging and being treated by anybody else. Right. And again, all of this shit comes, this is not a one size fit all type of thing because that, that has, you know, its own nuances. But for the most part, there is this piece of recognizing that if I was treated well, then I will engage in relationships that would have that same energy and tone. If I was treated poorly and I was abused and I was taken advantage of, exploited, all of those things by other people when I did not have the power to choose, then by virtue of that very experience, I am going to need other humans to help ex rewrite the experience of, in my body. That kindness and compassion are the way that we actually engage with each other. And so when we're looking at this idea of the discharging of pain, this is how projection happens. This is why other people get shitted on or you take off things on other people, right? They say, you're taking it off on me. Well, why is that happening? That's happening because there's actually no outlet. And that the person that, that initially caused the offenses or the situations that did, didn't receive the, um, the expression of not okayness. And what I mean by that, like if you had some sort of bullshit argument with somebody else um, or somebody you care about and it didn't end well, you go to work and the coworker who's the most annoying to you says something and then you unleash, you know, the seven C's on them because you're just fucking pissed about what happened before. It's because you didn't get to do that, like not unleash. You didn't get to address via communication what happened in the argument with your partner or whatever, right? So the energy is seeking an outlet from the body. And this is not the equation of like, this is okay to abuse or whatever. No, you as a person are now responsible. Once you have consciousness of it, are now responsible to say to yourself, what are the things that I need to do for my body to help discharge the energy that's so pent up and stored up in my cells? This is how you get very nervous people, very sensitive people. Uh, are very conscious of energy because they can actually feel the cellular impact of energy rising or falling. And this is how you get people who some people say, well, you just love to fight, right? Because that person is very like active. Their, their anger energy, that intense energy is very active because it has not had an outlet. So it's not that people like abuse, it's not any of those things, is that this energy is seeking not only an outlet, but on a very uh, psyche level, it is seeking to rewrite this narrative, to rewrite this awful story that lives in a circular pattern within the body. And if, if this doesn't blow your mind, and what I would invite you to do if you're like, you know, Kohene, um, <laughs> This, this sounds great, but it sounds like an excuse. I don't know, because you know some people have a particular perspective. What I would venture to say to you is do your homework. Go and do your research, right? Because this helps us understand why there's so much fuckery in the world. Why is there so much domination? What is actually happening for people that uh, power over is so abused? 
that when there are people who are more vulnerable than us, why are they exploited? Why are people exploited? Why is this happening? Right? Like, it's like, what the fuck is going on with humans? Well, these patterns, these scripts are written actually in a, they've settled as sediment in the cellular body of the human and the human's trying to figure out how to deal with this. And so it becomes, as you know, this phrase survival of the fittest. And when we look at trauma, you know, we use, when we talk about trauma, we talk about, I say we, in terms of the collective trauma education information system that we have in our society, we, we use the, we use animals, right. To explain like when an animal's running or a cheetah or a lion or a dog or whatever it is. And then they like shake themselves just kind of to discharge that energy, that nervous energy or the adrenaline pump in the body, right? So if they're looking to discharge that, then we also understand that energy in the body of somebody who's experienced trauma um, needs to be discharged, right? So we have the work out there to give us language around this. And so the reason why I thought this was important to talk about is because I don't care how enlightened you are, how much, you know, all the shit, um, looking for the areas in your life that are still in a state of pain, or that are in a state of needing the script to be rewritten. Meaning that you can have experiences with other humans that are not painful. Pain, uh, pain will be evident in our lifetime. It's not going anywhere. We're still going to have experiences. Things are still going to happen. Why? I have no idea. I'd love to have some really fucking cosmic, you know, oh, this is why, and that it'll help us all feel a little bit better, but I don't. And and I would not venture the arrogance to do so. I would not venture the arrogance of saying that the reason why people experience, I can't do it. Um, but having said that, what I'm talking about is a different level of internalized pain because it has been so constant that it creates this, you know, we know that when cortisol levels go up, it exhausts and fatigues the body, the adrenal system becomes fatigued, then the body and the nervous system begin to do a whole thing, right? And this is how we get a lot of dis-ease due to this type of shit, right? And so having that understanding, looking in your life for the areas in which you're seeking to rewrite that script, seeking, uh, unconsciously seeking energy that needs to be uh, seeking to discharge your energy. And this is why uh, physical movement in our bodies is so powerful and important, along with relationships that are healing and nurturing, along with our own growing awareness, right? And so talking about this offers us an opportunity to really ask ourselves and examine us, examine whether or not there's areas in which we're experiencing constant conflict, constant tension. What is the energy that's seeking to be discharged from our own bodies? How can we meet that so that it's not popping up, showing up in other ways, right? Um, and, and it's interesting to me because I think that when we witness people who are very, have a very bully energy, bullying type of energy, right? Be, the, the way that the particular energy tries to pro-game, pre-game, pro-game, I'm going to say it proactively game, uh, or pre-game their environment in such a way that what they do is they inhabit that energy so that nobody will ever cross a boundary with them. And they usually are crossing everybody else's boundaries because they're looking at the discharge of power 
dynamics from having experienced possibly at one time or another their own powerlessness, their own hopelessness. Now, is it possible that there are people that are just fucking like bullies because they just came into the world that way? Possibly. Who knows? I think uh, children are very uh, early on. You can tell children's energy, right? And and what may be going on for them. And I would also venture that bullies are highly sensitive people who have gone rogue um, and found that that power dynamic uh, offers them a repair of a narrative that they are trying to discharge in their psyche and in their body. So my question to you is, or my question for all of us is, where is this happening in your life if it's happening? Um, and what are the physical ways that you can meet discharging the energy and also giving yourself the support of good people that can help you rewrite the narrative that caused the fuckery in the first place? It takes a lot of, um, a lot of strength to learn to treat yourself with love and compassion if you've never seen what that looks like. And that's why I don't subscribe, I don't subscribe anymore to this like, oh, you're, you know, this, this thing happened because you're somehow creating it or fill in the blank, right? It's like, wait, wait a minute, hold on, slow down and back up. If you don't know what it looks like, how the fuck are you supposed to do it? If your version of what it looks like looks like a TV show because that's all you saw, then you're mimicking something, but not necessarily experiencing it. And while I do think that there's a place where that, um, I'm not a fan of the fake it till you make it type of language, um, but I do understand that when you begin to inhabit a thing, you know, you begin to become the thing. And so what happens for folks, most folks that come from really rough backgrounds is that you do need to see what kindness, compassion, and care look like. Um, you know, some people say, how would you treat a child? Well, some people come from such abusive shit that they were abused as a child. So they don't know what it looks like to be gentle or affectionate. And when they have to deal with the reality of seeing others that didn't have, like others have that experience, it seems unreal. I can't tell you how many conversations I had in that prison with people in extreme fucking pain that do not know what it is to be gentle with babies or gentle with kids. Or give kids grace because they never had it in their family. Children were never treated this way. So a hug. Ha! A hug. A hug that you can feel. You know, some people hug and it feels like you're hugging a, you're hugging a tree. Um, let me, uh, I'll back that up. My bad. Apologies to the tree. Um, but, you know, like that because there's actually no uh energetic connection because the person's hugging with their guards up right so like of course they've never experienced the safety of a warm hug that actually was safe secure gentle so we're going to need each other to rewrite the scripts because watching it on a show or watching it, that doesn't do it. That just gives you a visual for it, but not the energetic sensation of it. So having said all of this, how can you meet yourself with compassion and kindness and love? I grew up even with, you know, I've, I've tended in my life to intellectualize things. I've tended in my life to try to be self-sufficient, not, not to need what I cannot have. Right, which is a real mind fuck. 
right? It's a way of operating because you are trying to figure out um, how not to exploit anybody else or how not to fill in the blank. But the way that that deprives you of any experience is that you will not allow yourself to uh, long or crave for a real authentic um, love fest, right? <laughs> a real authentic connection. So let's not deprive ourselves of the things that we need the most. And let's also become aware of the ways our body is needing to discharge energy and discharge sensations that have been living in there far too long that are constantly seeking ways to leak out into your life, causing havoc and harm. Because you do deserve better. I deserve better. We all do. And so if you find yourself constantly getting your hair pinched under the roller, stop <laughs> under the foam roller. Stop. Take a moment. Take a breath. And get what you need in order to help yourself so you are no longer catching your hair in the foam roller. Do you get what I'm putting down? Right? Just this way of like acknowledging the complexity of healing and the complexity of loving ourselves and how we need each other. Not in the codependent way. So don't get that twisted. But I don't know that we have a good working... Um, way of holding codependency because of all that is attached and tied to that. And also our hyper-independent uh, mentality, especially here in America, right? Where you're supposed to be able to fucking do everything yourself and you're not supposed to have to need anybody. You know, you're supposed to self-soothe. You're supposed to self-everything uh, because that's the way that it goes. And the more I look to my own culture and our indigenous ways, we're supposed to be a fucking village. You're not supposed to be trying to do this shit in some fucking hole in isolation. That's not how this works. <laughs> it's not how it works. So I leave you with this: these two uh, reflections. One, I already said, the checking yourself in your life. And two, how can you be a force of healing, a force of uh, rewriting, helping to rewrite narratives in other people's lives. How can you do that in a way that is uh, safe, in a way that uh, keeps your boundaries intact, but in a way also that you become part of what heals the world because you're able to offer others the compassion you know that is deep medicine. I love you so much. I hope that this was uh, supportive and powerful for you. And I will talk to you soon again. Adio mi gente. Bueno, mi gente. Thank you for joining me on this wild and liberating journey of dismantling the fuckery. Remember, we are the architects of our own liberation. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with your people. Do all the things. You know what it takes for us to keep these frequencies rolling. Together, we will transform the world from a place of fuckery into a realm of unapologetic fabulosity. Stay fierce, my loves. Stay fabulous and keep dismantling. And if you want me or need me, yes, you heard me say that right. You know where to find me at priestessingliberation.com. Nos vemos ahorita. Adiós.